Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Molehill podcast. My name is Ken Small and today's main topic will be the 70 slash 80 euro game lie. And we will talk about like why games actually became so much more expensive and why they shouldn't have been. So let's talk about that. Hi and welcome in folks for everyone watching live on YouTube. Uh, if you're watching or listening to it on uh, Spotify and Apple and wherever you are getting your podcast from, thank you so much for joining. And as always, you can completely listen to this podcast and more if you are checking out my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash And man, we have some topics to cover. Um, <laughs> as you as you might know, as you might know, uh, it is warm outside. Uh, if you were living in an area where summer is actually a thing, then you might have noticed it got really warm. Like seriously, it got really, really warm as of late. And I'm so not having it. You know, I'm... I'm uh, I don't like the warmth. I really don't. I'm not I'm not a fan of the heat and we still have to deal with it. So, but that also means for video games that we are unfortunately fighting with another problem and that is games not being available. Like a lot of games are not really available. They're coming out in August, maybe September. And you are just looking at your games calendar over the next two months and you think, what am I even playing? You know, it's like, wait, so I'm supposed to play some video games, but there aren't any? Uh, the only game we are getting is the new uh, Outriders expansion, World Slayers. And can we just talk about this briefly? Can we can we really just talk about this briefly for a minute? About uh, Outriders, because the thing is now getting um, getting a new expansion, you know, and which is fine. I think. Uh, give me just one second here. Um. Let me see. Yeah, that's fine. We can just run that in the background. But yeah, I wouldn't talk about Outriders and how Outriders. <sighs> the release was meh. I think we can all agree on that, right? Like the release of Outriders was very much a wasted opportunity in my opinion. And it was really disappointing. And not just the release itself, but what happened afterwards. Like after the release happened, yeah, sure, they pushed out some patches to fix the technical issues and to make it run better. But people were also very adamant about the gameplay issues the game had, the balance which was not there, some of the gameplay features people just didn't like, and they were literally begging the developers to just fix it. Finally fix it. And the answer of the developers was literally, well, we released the game, it's not a live service game, it's just, we released it, we are done with it, like, we don't, we don't really see the need to fix anything or to change anything. And people just didn't have it. Like, that's the problem when you're basically releasing a live service game, but you, you try to say that it is not a live service game. It's, it's still such a weird thing to me nowadays that you have a live service game in your hand, but then you pretend it's not. I was like, wait, but when it isn't a live service game, why do we have to be permanently online, right? Like why why is everything set up 
to be the next destiny and then you don't treat it as such. Again, such, such a weird thing. I've never fully understood that. And <laughs> yeah, Diablo 3. Uh, good example for another weird live service game, which was not a live service game anymore and weird. Yeah. But then we got uh, we got a big Outriders patch in, I think it was December, November. Um, it was a big update where they finally brought in the changes people wanted, where they finally put the balance to the test and just just a lot of quality of life improvements people have been asking for for a while. But that was literally nine months later. Nine months of nothing. And then they did go into silent mode again. And then they announced that, hey, in June, by the end of June, you're finally getting the first expansion. And don't get me wrong. I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to the new expansion. I'm looking forward to the new features. I would definitely also make some uh, YouTube content for it. Um, but it's still so weird to me that it feels like I'm playing Destiny, but without getting the care of a Destiny game. It's, 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 it's so weird. It's so weird. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to World Slayer. We will definitely play it. But that is, I think, literally the only game which is coming out. Well, no, that's not true. Uh, Cuphead is also coming out at the same day. And the new Monster Hunter. It's like everyone knows that the summer break is around the corner. And every last developer who still wants to release before summer break is doing it now. Like they are literally doing it in the last week of June. And then for July, we will have zero games. And then for the first half of August, we will barely have any new games. And it's like oh, every year... We have this. And I have to say, developers have to become better and publishers have to come better, become better when it comes to the release time. Like I think that this year's February has hopefully shown a lot of publishers what not to do. Because... February, we had so many games coming out. I have to look up the list, but I still remember Lost Ark. I still remember Elden Ring, of course. And I still remember Horizon Forbidden West. And especially Horizon Forbidden West came out at the same time as um, Elden Ring came out. And it was a disaster. It was an absolute disaster for Horizon Forbidden West. And it apparently sold so badly that Sony is not even telling us how many units they have sold till now. They're not talking about it. They're basically pretending as this never existed. And when Sony is pretending that the, one of their games never existed and they're not talking about their numbers, you know it's bad. Because Sony loves to brag about their numbers. Because it's like one of the big selling points of PlayStation games, right? Like, hey, look, this is our game, which did cost a shit ton of money to make. But it is a PlayStation exclusive. And look how many units we have actually sold with that. A story-driven single-player game. Choke on that, nerds. Right, they love to do that. And I don't blame them. It's, it's a very feasible marketing strategy. It makes totally sense. But in this case, it's like, Horizon? Horizon? Oh, you mean Horizon Zero Dawn? Oh, yeah, Horizon Zero Dawn. Wow, sold millions of millions of copies. I think 10 million copies or something, at least. Oh, yeah. Oh, you mean Forbidden West? Um, um, um. Next topic, please. It's probably rushing it out for PC. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if we would see Forbidden West 
early next year on PC. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Like, at this point, yeah, I could see it. Uh, which is which is a shame because the game is good. Like, please keep that in mind. The game is good. I've seen the game. It looks fantastic. It seems to play just amazingly. And it's a, it's a really good game. The problem is, it came out at the same day as Elden Ring. And Elden Ring is so strong, it's still going strong. Nobody has a chance against it. And they should have just swallowed their pride and be like, you know what? Let's let's release Forbidden West two weeks later, a month later. And I think it would have been much, much better for the game. And we see this far too often, that games have to come out between October and November or February and March. As just, why? I think most gamers are available the whole year. Will the selling figures will be lower in July than they would be in February? Yes. Yes, they would. Absolutely. No question about it. It's summer. People want to take their vacations. People want to hang out with family, friends, outside. Absolutely would the selling figures be lower. But here's the thing. What do you think is better? Selling your game in February when everybody else does and people now have to make decisions which games they actually want? Or do you want to release the game in summer where literally nobody is releasing their games and you have no competition? It's lake weather, not triple A weather. <laughs> That's a good one. I like. Don't get me wrong. I totally understand that people do not want to release their games in summer. Right? Like, there is a reason why games are not really re released in summer. There's, there's absolute a lot of reasons and numbers for not doing that. <laughs> Absolutely. But... Do you really want to compete with like 20 other games in November instead? Because that seems to be the, the common theme we are seeing more and more that we actually now have games which lose out on players, which lose out on people who want to buy the game because they have to make a decision which game they want to buy with the money they have. Right? Like we have seen this in the past and we will see it much more. And I wonder if at some point maybe publisher finally realized that postponing a game in a time where maybe not that many games are coming out, even though you might have less people buying your game, might in the end make them more money than the other way around. Like, I still, I think Warcraft 3 back in the day was a wonderful example. I remember that Warcraft 3, I think it was actually Frozen Throne, uh, came out on the first week of uh, summer school break here. So it was like, I think it was in July. And I remember that I was standing there day one in the morning buying Warcraft 3. I still remember that. And as far as I know, Warcraft 3 has been doing pretty well for Blizzard. <laughs> so, I think if you have a good game, it doesn't matter necessarily which month you're releasing your game in. Like, I don't think it matters in the end. But 
no matter how much we talk about this, the reality is that we don't really have any games coming out next month. And uh, for everyone who is wondering, I will also take a break of content creation for two weeks. Yes, I will be gone for two weeks. Um, that would be the second half of July till beginning of August. I will just take my leave. I will just take some break. I will actually go outside and enjoy the sun. No, I <laughs> I will probably play some more video games. Let's let's be honest here. That's probably what is happening. But yeah, I will take a break from streaming and uh, YouTube content creation. There might there might be still content coming up now and then. I still might actually do my uh, podcast, but I will just take two weeks off. Right. That's that's my vacation. So, but I will inform you when we are getting closer to it. So you're not missing out on it. Yeah. Uh, what else do we have? Um, if you've missed it, <laughs> four guys did uh, go free to play today. And we actually tried to stream it. Unfortunately, it didn't work because the servers were completely crowded. Like literally, there was there was no way to play it, which was really, really unfortunate. And uh, I don't think it would get any better today because now we have European prime time where everyone is playing in Europe and then afterwards is the US prime time and it will fizzle out over the next few days but especially today I I don't I don't think you will be able to play four guys which is unfortunate of course especially when it is the release day and um, I would have hoped that now that they're on Epic, and keep in mind, Four Guys and Mediatonic is also owned by uh, by Epic. I would have hoped they have a better server infrastructure. Like, I don't believe that Four Guys has more players than Fortnite has when the new season begins, and when the new season of Fortnite um, started, like just like what a week or two ago. Like, they managed it. So, I would have hoped that maybe they're using the server infrastructure from Epic. But it seems like they don't. At least not right now. And so, uh, yeah, playing four guys is a, bit, uh, is a bit problematic right now. Which is unfortunate. Uh, what else? Oh yeah, I still want to check out the cycle. Uh, that's a game I'm I'm having on my list. It's basically Escape from Tarkov, but in space. If you've never heard of it, uh, it is free to play and available on Steam. And so far, I heard some good thing things from it, and I want to check it out. So maybe that is coming up in the next few days. I will see how that goes. And. Do I have anything else? Mm. Oh yeah, uh, I have I have said that earlier today on stream, but I will just repeat it for all the people who are just listening to the podcast. Um, I did start uh, Starship Troopers, uh, Terran Terran Command, I think it's called. So it's a strategy game, a real-time strategy game, where you are playing uh, Starship Troopers. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's all right. I've finished the first mission, and I'm now halfway through the second mission. And it's fun, but it's one of those games where you already realize at the beginning... Oh boy, this is not very deep, isn't it? Yeah, I will, I will see how that goes. Uh, also, I started to play some Far Cry 6 uh, by the end of next uh, last week because it was on the sale and I was like, ah, you know what, I think I can check out Far Cry 6. I haven't played Far Cry since Far Cry 4, 
because I missed out on Far Cry 5 and I wasn't I wasn't really too much interested in it and then I tried Far Cry 6 so what I can say about Far Cry 6 is it's a Far Cry game it's a Ubisoft game yes there are even towers to climb where there are secrets up there totally that exists uh, you're hunting animals you are freeing outposts you have tons of explosions tons of different weapons um they added like you know when we always say as a joke oh look i'm playing another ubisoft games because a lot of the features you have in assassin's creed you also have in far cry and vice versa and for the other uh, ubisoft games and that's basically the truth for far cry 6 um then you have your usual usual stuff going on right you have your main villain you have to fight and um you are there but you don't want to be there right like you you are the you're the hero which doesn't want to be the hero and then you accept it very quickly and then you become the hero um but yeah like if you've played the other far cry games you have played this one. It looks gorgeous. There's like a lot of cool stuff in there. But again, it's it's very much a Far Cry game. Nothing nothing really about it. Um, I wanted to play it with a buddy of mine. And so I was like, hey, did you know that you can totally play Far Cry in online co-op? Like from the beginning to the end, you can completely play it with another person. And I was like, hey, we, like, we are looking for a game. So how about that? And so I was sitting in my game. He was buying the game. And then he tried to join me. And he got an error message. Like he couldn't, I couldn't invite him really. He couldn't really join me. And I was like, hey, maybe... I think you have to you have to play through the single player campaign a little bit like you have to do like the first tutorial or whatever and um, then you can join me and for the matter of fact that was right you got a message after the tutorial like hey you can now play multiplayer <laughs> so we were trying it again and it didn't work it was like wait why? Why does it not work? What's going on here? Like we both have the Uplay version, we are both in the game. Like why does this not work? And so we were of course trying online to find a solution. And at some point, I was looking at the games library, like you know where where you can see what your friends are playing right now. And the game was, or the friends list was saying, your friend is playing Far Cry 5. I was like, wait, 5? No, 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 no. We are trying to play 6 here. What? What's going on? And oh my god, he bought Far Cry 5 instead. Because he didn't know that six was a thing and he apparently managed to like ignore like the new game when he bought far cry 5 i don't know how he did it i don't i don't know so yeah he had far cry 5 i had far cry 6 we couldn't play and he was buying them far cry 6 and but we couldn't play it yet because he had to download Far Cry 6 and Far Cry 6 is like 120 gigabyte or something like that. It's, it's kind of crazy and it would take too long. So yeah, we'll see how the co-op is, hopefully at some point. Mm -hmm. um, but anything else? No, I don't, I don't really have anything else. So let's talk about our main topic for today and that is the 70 dollar 80 euro game lie why is it a lie 
because publishers saying that they had to increase the price because video games became more expensive. They became more expensive to make and because of that, they had to increase the money they asked for. And yes, I call publishers who are using that excuse liars. Why are they liars? Well, the first issue I have, and we will come back to this, but the first issue I have is the US is now say, uh, paying $70 for some video games. Not for all, only for some, especially PlayStation ones. But Europe is now paying 80 euro. Keep in mind, we also paid 60 euro when the US was paying $60. And if you don't, if you don't know, uh, the euro is more worth than the dollar. So when I'm giving you a euro, I'm getting $1.05. I know that's, that's not a lot, like a lot of people would be like, what? <laughs> that's, that's not a lot, but it's still more worth. I'm getting more out of a euro when I'm transferring it into dollars, right? So technically it should be cheaper, but we are actually now paying 10 bucks more than the US. So they increased the price tag in Europe from 60 euro to 80 euro, which is about, I think, $87, $87 to $90. So they increased the price tag significantly here in Europe. I was like, wait a second, why though? Like your point was that you have to ask more money because, well, making games became more expensive. But why do we have to ask more money from the European players, especially? Like, this is one of the things nobody could ever explain to me. And probably nobody will. So, but that's not really the point. That's not really why I call it the lie. So let me let me explain why I call it the lie. So we have to go back in time for this. We have to go back in time many, many years ago, decades, early 2000 even. That's where we have to go. Because in the early 2000, Steam became a thing. And Steam basically increased the price tag. Steam was starting to ask 50 euro for a game. And a lot of people were laughing at that. Because if you wanted to get a video game, you would just go to a Best Buy or whatever, like we, similar, we didn't have Best Buy here, but something similar to Best Buy, an electronic store, right? You would go to an electronic store, you would buy the physical game for 40 bucks and everyone was like wait a second so steam is only selling you the digital version of a game for 10 bucks more why would anyone do that and so a lot of people here never really bought at steam because they were just not comp competitive when it came to the price tag and then the the electronic stores increased their price from 40 bucks to 45 bucks. And it was still cheaper than Steam. And you would get the physical game. So a lot of people still didn't buy things on Steam. Also, don't forget, you had to download that shit. <laughs> Back in the day, downloading 8 gigabyte of games. Um, was a bit too much for a lot of people. So they were still going to the store and buy their games there. But over time, even the stores had to increase their games and we ended up with 50 euros slash $50 in video games, no matter where you bought them. And that was also the time where the internet became 
more achievable in a lot of areas around the world. Let's, let's not say the internet became good, but it became more doable, right? And people were just like, yeah, I'm lazy. You know what? I would just buy the game for 50 bucks on Steam and then I can just download it. Until that point, I was still all like, yeah, I can, I can understand this. I can get behind this. And then there was Activision. And literally mother effing Bobby Kodak was saying, well, we are now asking $60 for Call of Duty. And people were like, wait, why? Well, and I quote him here, Call of Duty is a premium product. We can ask a premium price for it. That was literally Bobby Kotick's answer to the question. Because he thought that Call of Duty is a premium product. And for that, they can ask 10 bucks more. And thankfully, at the beginning, a lot of developers didn't follow suit. They were not having it. They were like, yeah, I cannot, I cannot ask like $60. What? No, we are not doing that. And well, as we all know, a lot of developers then followed suit because we had more and more publishers and developers just thinking, yeah, wait a minute. When, when Call of Duty is a premium product, then my game is definitely as premium as Call of Duty. Right, nobody, nobody wanted to be left behind on the premium scale, right? And so more and more publishers and developers followed suit, and then we reached a point where we were paying sixty bucks for a video game. And at that point, I always like questioned the move. Okay, but Mole, you have to admit, development costs did go up over the years, like. A video game that costs more to make. It's like, yes, but there's a lot of stuff they're not telling you. And that's the problem I have. Because not only did the price for creating video games actually did increase, so did the ways of making more money of video games. Like, a lot. When you were hearing that the video game industry is the biggest entertainment industry in the world and is dwarfing music, movies, the reason is they have found more and more ways to make money. One of the easiest things everyone can see is new markets. Like back in the day when video games became more and more prominent, we had basically three markets for video games. We had North America, Europe, Japan. Sure, in other regions, there were also video games. Like, I'm not saying video games didn't exist in other regions, but most of the time, those people had to get like some bootleg version or some pirated version, right? Or they had to import it from other regions. Like, yes, they did exist, but for a lot of developers and publishers, other regions from a money perspective were not that feasible back in the day. And that changed, thankfully. More and more regions are playing now video games. Like, multiple companies suggest that we are reaching, like, two to three billion gamers in just a few years. Like at some point, half the planet will play video games, which is insane. So, of course, nowadays you have far more chances to actually reach people out there to actually make people buy and play their games because you have now a much bigger crowd than you had 20 years ago, right? Finding your niche back in the day was much, much harder because the niche was much smaller. 
And that is something they sometimes left out. This, hey, our games are now available in Asia, where we have billions of gamers who can now play our games. It's like, yeah, you definitely make also money from them. Another thing which unfortunately came into the monetization of video games was microtransactions, MTX. Let's not forget that nowadays when you were buying a $60 game, you were also having a lot of microtransactions attached to them. You have DLCs, you have season passes, you have DLCs which are not integrated into the season pass, you have some expansions coming out, you still have cosmetics in the item shop. Like, you sometimes have the feeling the video game industry has monetized what there is to monetize in the video game without pushing the envelope too far. And they just looked for another way to make even more money. Like that is another problem I really have. When I would see that the money from all those ways of giving the company money would actually be used in making better games. In adding more content to the game. But over the years, we have seen the opposite. Even though a company is making new record profits, they are throwing unfinished half-assed games in our face. And when the game is not making the amount of money they wanted to begin with because they screwed it up, they are abandoning it and moving on to the next one. Like, hello, Battlefield 2042. I can guarantee you that they are, they are now doing the bare minimum at this game and that after a year, this game will be abandoned and we will see a new Battlefield coming up. Like, the problem is I really have with all of this is that the money I'm providing to get a better gaming experience is not getting into the gaming experience but it's getting into the pockets of the shareholders. And so when a big company is telling me, hey, we have to increase our price tag, I, I literally have to ask, why? Yeah, because game development got more expensive. Did it though? You also have now more ways of making more money, plus, a lot of the extra money game developers sometimes now have to pay are not even for bigger games or better games. Um, I remember back when Destiny was a thing, right? And Activision was bragging about like how much money they invest into marketing. And they said that half of the money they basically paid for Destiny is all marketing. Like... Marketing nowadays is very expensive and a lot of developers and publishers are using it where you sometimes have to ask the question why. If your game is good, word of mouth is still the strongest tool you can find to get the word out. Like we had so many games which literally had zero marketing and are beloved by millions of millions of people today. Like Stardew Valley is a wonderful example. Like heck, even Minecraft back in the day. Sea of Thieves has 30 million players now. Microsoft didn't put a lot of marketing into it after the release. Like it was just growing naturally after it was a bit of a disaster on the release. Like again, we have even AAA games where they were smart enough to not really put everything into marketing because they were trusting into their product, into their game, and they knew that word of mouth will actually carry it. Yeah, Anno, a Ubisoft game, got zero marketing out of Ubisoft because Ubisoft didn't care or believed in the game. It was an absolute success. 
it was so successful that Ubisoft then took over and was like, okay, now we are pushing out a lot of DLCs, which is more content, so I'm okay with it. But at the point where Anno came out, Ubisoft didn't invest any marketing into it because they didn't really care or believed in it. But in the end, it sold millions of copies because everyone was like, dude, have you played Anno? Have you played Anno? Have you played the new Anno? Mm, no, I haven't. You should. It's really good, right? <laughs> it was a success. And that's really the point we have reached. When, like, there was even <laughs> an incident. Let's call it that. It wasn't really an incident, but let's call it the PlayStation incident. Um, so there was a game... I think it was Salt and Sacrifice. Yeah, Salt and Sacrifice was supposed to come out and it was cheaper on other platforms than on PlayStation. So PlayStation was sending them an email and was telling them, what the heck? You cannot do that. You, you, you cannot do that. Please increase the price on the other platforms because mm -mm, we will not be the most expensive platform here and we will not look like douches. I was like, but then lower the price on your platform? But that's not what they wanted to do. They wanted that the developers increasing the price on other platforms. And by the way, they did. In the end, they did increase the price tag on other platforms. And I was like, yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, especially PlayStation and Sony slowly realize that a lot of publishers and developers are not following suit. And they're panicking a little bit at this point. Uh, Square Enix is um, also now asking 80 bucks. Like, uh, what was it? Final Fantasy VII Reborn Integrate came out on Steam, 80 bucks, well, $70 if you were living in the States. Uh, Word Slayer, Outriders Word Slayer, if you were buying the whole package, so you buy the base game and you buy Word Slayer, 80 or $70. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of interesting how they're trying to tell you that the price for making video games did increase. And then there are tons of developers and publishers who are just like, no, really? And yes, even the tools got better. Like, especially when you are listening to people who are working with the Unreal 5 engines, the tools got so much better. And we are now at the point that we are getting amazing games completely developed by one person. Because they now have the tools to make it happen. And another thing developers and publishers are, it's their own fault, so to say, is when they hire more and more people. Like back in the day, a game was developed by a hundred people. If, if you were a studio with a hundred people, you were considered as one of the big ones. Nowadays, we have studios like Ubisoft who develop their games with 700 people, 800 people, multiple studios over multiple continents. And you're asking why? Because development is going faster. They can push out a game in two years instead of four to five years. Less development time but more people they have to hire. Like, I'm not saying that's bad, but unfortunately we had a lot of games which got faster developed and then came out in a state where you just ask yourself, why does this exist? And how could you have released this game? Like, releasing games faster seems also to come with its own problems. And when you're thinking about all the things we have just talked about, 
It's like, yeah. How is it possible that you now increase the price tag, especially in Europe, by 20 euro? Like, how is there even a difference between America and Europe? Where they were always aligned. And the only answer is most of the time, or the only conclusion I come really up with is you want to have more money for your shareholders. You know, like this is not because you want to, like you have to increase the price tags because developers need to get more money. The next project needs to get more money. It's most of the time so that you can take tell their shareholders that they are getting more money by the end of the year. Without increasing the amount of people who are playing your game. And I will be honest, if that is the future, I will be even more picky about the games I want to play the games I'm buying and I think like especially how things go right now like keep in mind we are we, we are in a time where we are also fighting with inflation and other things happening around the world and I think we have reached a point for the very first time where in November when all the big triple A games are coming out for like 80 bucks or something that people will say I don't have the money for that I just don't. So I have to make a decision which of the six games which I really want to play. And that means we will probably have a lot of games who will sell below expectations, as I like to call it. And maybe even some companies which will be doomed. Because they paid a lot of money for their games. And they couldn't make that money back. And to be honest, we had a big gaming industry crash in the early 2000s when the uh, dot, co dot com bubble was basically like breaking. There was also a time where a lot of big gaming publishers like Acclaim, Midway, um, Infograms, and so many others just overnight, poof, gone. Because they had too many games which became too expensive. And they didn't have enough people who bought the games. And that was the end of them. I'm not saying this will happen here too because things have changed. A lot of games have, or a lot of game studios basically games which are just making them money over time but if more publishers are following through with the 80 euro price tag or 70 dollar price tag at least what we will see by the end of the year is much more games which did sell below expectations and if you were a publisher or a developer listening to this, you might really want to think if you want to increase the price tag under the circumstances we are in. Like, is it really worth it? In my opinion, no, it isn't. It would be more damaging than it actually helps you. But, and just, just a quick one last thing. One last thing. If even Activision, yes, that Activision Blizzard is saying, nah, we are not planning to increase the price tag on our games in the foreseeable future, and even they don't want to follow suit on this. 
Activision Blizzard. This should really give you some foods for thoughts. Yeah, because when it comes to money, they are very quick to gain bad. So think about it for a moment. But with that said, folks, we are at the end of the topic for today and the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening or watching live. Again, if you um, want to listen to the ad-free version of this whole podcast, you can find it on patreon.com slash and you can listen there to it if you are pledging uh, some support, of course. Uh, also, for all the Patreon listeners out there, there will be, by the end of the week, there will be the very first episode of the Mole Hall of Fame, where I'm basically talking about like some of the most important games for me in my life. And the first episode will be about Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. So we will talk about that. Uh, of course, if you're like, ah, oh, Mole, I really want to listen to that. But man, I, I can't support you right now. Uh, don't you worry. Of course, it will be available for everyone uh, later this month. So this is basically like the early exit version for all the people who are pledging on Patreon. But of course, it will be available for everyone later on. Yep. Just so you know. Yeah, snake, snake, snake. So again, thank you so much for watching slash listening. I will be back next Tuesday with a new topic and the newest episode of the Mole Hill podcast. Again, thank you so much for being here. Stay safe. And most importantly, stay hydrated because it's warm. And I see you all tomorrow in my live stream at 9 a.m. ET, which is 2 p.m. UK time and 3 p.m. Central European time over at trovo.live slash With that said, see you next time. Bye-bye.